ironically enough, Tesla put out a statement before the news of what the claims from Mr. Guthrow actually were. And basically were saying that they weren't, the allegations weren't true even before the allegations came out. The Tesla Q podcast is for informational purposes only and is not intended for and should not be used as financial, investment, or trading advice. Research associated with fiscal decisions should be conducted elsewhere. The host of the show possesses no license or credentials to warrant accepting advice based on what is heard on the Tesla Q podcast. Additionally, even though the host and guests may hold positions in companies discussed on the show, they don't have insights into the next time step of the simulation. Therefore, do not make any financial decisions based on the contents of the podcast. Hello and welcome to episode number 28 of the Tesla Q podcast. This is going to be part three of the March Madness series and it's going to cover March 11th through March 14th. So only four days, but in Tesla time, that's a lot of, a lot of time. If you'd like to contribute to the podcast, please go to patreon.com slash Tesla Q podcast and become a monthly patron. Or if you want to make a one-time contribution, you can go to the Square Cash app and search for Tesla Q Podcast or go to cash.me slash Tesla Q Podcast. Uh, little uh, review on episode number 27. Talked about some different things with Tesla that seem to have hints of fraud. That episode was titled The F Word. Uh, on episode number 26, before that, was March Madness Part 2, which covered the period from March 8th through March 11th. Uh, sorry that it's been a little while since I've been able to continue that. I've had, uh, had real work to do. My wife signed us up for a 10K, so we had to get ready for that. And because the weather's warmed up, the lawn has needed to be mowed a bunch, and I have yet to to hire that work out to someone else. Need to get on that. And, of course, following Tesla Q Twitter is potentially a full-time job if someone lets it be. And got to got to better balance my keeping up on Twitter with actually putting out podcasts. Uh, with this particular series, I've kind of made the methodology be a little bit too stringent in trying to not miss anything. And the Twitter platform is actually terrible for going back in time, at least as far as I know. I'd, I've had, I've had to scroll down through like six weeks of tweets to get down to, to where I last was. And that's daunting. So I need to need to better balance and get caught up on these episodes and cut out some of the stuff that's not key to the the story. But there's just been a ton of stuff. I mean, March truly was madness for Tesla. So back to the story. Last thing we mentioned on episode 26 was March 11th that Tesla reversed their course and decided to actually keep stores open. And this seemed to be directly in response to the Wall Street Journal article that mentioned the lease obligations which which Tesla could not just simply throw out the window. That that weekend before that decision came out, Antonio Gracias was actually in Southern California, presumably meeting with Elon Musk. So I I would guess that that's where that decision was made to keep the stores open. That same Monday morning, March 11th, Stuart Meissner announced his third whistleblower uh, who had had a submission made to the SEC through Stuart's law firm, and that was Sean Guthrow, who was a security worker for Tesla. He actually worked with Carl Hansen, who was the second whistleblower, and he was actually involved with some of the 
the actions against Martin Tripp, who was the first whistleblower, you might recall that there was a possible attempted swatting against Martin Tripp, which in light of this recent temporary restraining order against Skabushka, there's kind of a, a pattern of false accusations against people who are trying to tell the truth about Tesla. Uh, Pac Watson had the Child Protective Services called against her uh, for reporting that Tesla's workers weren't being properly treated in the health clinic. Uh, part of this new whistleblower, Sean Guthrow, part of his claims were that Tesla is had surveillance against their own employees. Uh, I think they had some sort of device that was able to intercept their phone messages, even if they weren't on the Tesla network. So that's pretty sketchy. I, th I think that's a rather rather big potential violation of a lot of things. The FBI might be interested in that one, actually. Uh, ironically enough, Tesla put out a statement before the news of what the claims from Mr. Guthrow actually were, and basically were saying that they weren't, the allegations weren't true, even before the allegations came out, is just sketchy timing on Tesla's part. Another thing that happened on Monday, March 11th, was that Tesla bought a trucking company for about $15 million in stock. It's funny that they wouldn't use cash for such a small deal. The predominant thought in the Tesla Q Twitter land was that this particular acquisition was likely just to cover Tesla because Elon had said that they were purchasing trucking companies back in November or October or thereabouts. So this may have just been so that they can't later be charged with fraud based on Elon's tweeting that they were going to purchase trucking companies. Uh, another thing that day was that one of the Maxwell deadline deal deadlines was that week. So that's a minor little thing. But the Maxwell deal, of course, still hasn't gone through, even though it's supposed to be a, a stock deal rather than a cash deal. But the Maxwell deal is a much bigger deal than that. Uh, $15 million for the trucking company. On Also, still March 11th, Andrew Left of Citron turned down a debate on the QTR podcast. Uh, he was going to be debating Mark Spiegel. Uh, Chris Irons, who, who is the host of that podcast, mentioned that he had thought that everything was worked out so, for them to actually have a debate, but on that day, Andrew Left bowed out, apparently. There was a Jalopnik article that day that came out the title of the article was Tesla employees call BS on online sales claims. In the article, it included a mention that in the fourth quarter of 2018, employees got a $5,000 discount on Tesla vehicles. They also got a full self-driving upgrade for free, which was about a $8,000 uh, item at that time, according to the article. Although I think it's only about 5,000 now. Uh, also, they were encouraged to use their accrued PTO uh, to trade that in for part of the purchase price of a Tesla vehicle. So these items explain part of the profit decline from quarter three to quarter four, even though quarter four had more total deliveries. Same day, Monday, March 11th, there was a finance vice president that left. But since executive departures are so commonplace and there's been so many of them, there's not really anything else I want to discuss about that because just clutter things up. That was also the due date for Elon's response to the SEC contempt request. Now, 
looking through my Twitter notes, I didn't have any major things from Tuesday, March 12th. So I'm going to move on to Wednesday, March 13th. And that was the day that the Business Week piece came out about the whistleblowers. Uh, talked about Sean Guthrow, Carl Hansen, and Martin Tripp. One observation that I made after reading that piece was that the timing of the Martin Tripp saga may have contributed to Elon's stress level, which may have contributed to his tweet directed towards Vern Unsworth, where he called him a pedo. And that was also shortly followed by the doxing of Montana Skeptic and the 420 tweet. So the Martin Tripp saga, I believe, was at the very beginning of July. The pedo tweet was on July 15th. Montana Skeptic's doxing was on July 23rd, and the 420 funding secured tweet was on August 7th. Of course, the the 420 tweet was likely more directed towards an attempt to get the stock price boosted so that they could have the share price be above 360 so that they wouldn't have had to pay the $920 million on March 1st, 2019 which they ultimately did end up having to pay because their share price was lower than that. On July 5th, Elon had tweeted directly at Lynette Lopez, and uh, I think that was around the same time period that some people were digging through her Facebook feed and and feeding some little items to Elon, and he attacked her. Of course, she's later gone on and been in the the Real Vision piece about Tesla Q and everything. in retrospect, Stuart Meissner seemed to be a bit regretful that he had held off on announcing Sean Guthrow as a, a whistleblower so that that Business Week article could be finished off. Overall, I, I remember thinking that the article was, was pretty good and it, it fit the pattern of behavior of Elon Musk. Uh, it didn't actually move the share price at all, hardly. Uh, I, I forget exactly what the share price did that day, but it was not greatly impacted by that particular article. The next day on Twitter, Stuart Meissner tweeted that there had been a New York Times article that had been written up about Carl Hansen back in, I think it was August, uh, but it actually never ran. So I'm not sure what, what all was in that article, but it never ran. So Stuart has had some, uh, he's had some thoughts about the way that his whistleblowers have been portrayed in the news and he, he's had a, a little bit of regret about how how the stories have ended up getting out for better or worse can't can't really rely on a, a whistleblower allegation to move the share price any um, the actual business results have a far far bigger impact as we saw this past week uh, I didn't mention earlier but I'm recording this on April 28th 2019. Uh, So quarter one financials were released last Wednesday and on Thursday and Friday the share price steadily steadily declined. Wasn't really linear drops it was more just a consistent ramp from the opening on Thursday until probably 2 or 2.30 in the afternoon on Friday. Uh, So not linear drops like Zach and Jesse talk about but, but a consistent ramp downward. Look to be controlled selling by institutions, most likely. So we're talking about Thursday, March 14th now. That will ultimately be a rather famous day in Tesla's history, as it was the day that the Model Y was revealed. 
prior to that reveal, uh, during the trading day that day, there was hardly any volume, and the share price closed at about 290 that day. If you'll, if you're paying attention, the close was about 235 this past Friday, April the 26th. Another thing that happened on Thursday, March 14th, is that Kimball Musk stepped down from the Chipotle board. Uh, as we now know that 100% of Kimball's owned Tesla shares are pledged against personal indebtedness, I wonder a bit if his stepping down from the Chipotle board may, may have been so that he could better unlock some liquidity from his Chipotle holdings, but that's speculation on my part. Nothing, nothing other than speculation behind that. Uh, late in the trading day on that same day, Elon tweeted that he had been watching the movie The Revenge of the Electric Car, which was maybe a bit of a, a foreshadowing to his feeling of nostalgia, which was on display later that evening. Just 90 minutes before the Model Y reveal event began, there was a Form 4 that hit the, the internet for Antonio Gracias, uh, his ongoing 10B51 options exercise sales. So one of those hit on that very day. Very, very ironic timing, in my opinion. Once the time came around for the Model Y reveal to actually begin, Tesla was a bit late. They weren't as late as they were this past week with the Autonomy Investor Day reveal, but they were late. And during the period of them being late, Ford actually put out a nice tweet. It was very simple. It was just a Mustang logo, and it was captioned, Hold Your Horses. So that was a nice little troll job by the only other auto company that has never gone bankrupt, which is Ford. So once the Y reveal actually did get started... It was uh, mostly just a retrospective of everything that Tesla's done over their history for about the first 40 to 45 minutes of the reveal. Uh, obviously, this event was well, well covered in many, many places, so I'm not going to get into too much detail about it. I will just note that one of the main aspects of it is that Tesla was seeking $2,500 order payments for the Model Y in conjunction with the event. Uh, couple things about the Model Y. There's a version that's going to have seven seats and the amount of room available for the back seats is very, very suspect. Uh, a, an average sized adult human would probably be pretty cramped back there. The Model Y basically looks like a Model 3 with some very, very slight modifications. Of course, Elon had tweeted that it would have 75% parts in common with the Model 3. He also tweeted that it would be 10% larger and about 10% more expensive. A uh, couple more details. One, uh, the fall 2020 is when the first Model Ys are supposed to be available. And the option for the third row of seats won't be available until 2021. And it's supposed to cost an extra $3,000. So just a few quick items about the the Model Y based on the taking of $2,500 order payments for the Model Y it seems like the rushed Model Y reveal was likely a ploy to try to get some cash in the door 
don't know how effective it was. Uh, based on the 17 days of March after that, it does not seem to have been all that effective as Tesla's cash balance was down to $2.2 billion as of March 31st. And since the first quarter financials came out last week, I, I should just run through the, a few of those key numbers really quick. Uh, for the first quarter, Tesla's cash flow from operations was about negative 600 something million dollars. Their CapEx was about 280 or 300 million. I forget exactly, but if you add up their cash flow from operations and their CapEx, their free cash flow was about negative 920 million dollars for the quarter, uh, which happens, or maybe it's 910. I forget exactly. It was over 900 million dollars. Uh, so they currently have 2.2 billion of unrestricted cash and with their 63,000 deliveries in quarter one, they burned about nine, $900 million of cash. And that's not counting the, um, the bond payment that they made on March 1st. So if their deliveries don't pick up and if they're not able to raise new capital, they're in a very tight spot in the coming weeks and months. The share price obviously dropped a ton last week. I think it started the week in the 270 range. I, I forget without actually looking specifically. Uh, I think it closed Wednesday, still above two, 250 something, I think. And it closed Friday at 235 and hit a low of about 231 and some change. Uh, it did have about a $3 boost after hours on Friday, April 26th to 238 due to the settlement reached with the SEC where now it is much more clearly spelled out what types of communications and tweets require pre-approval. Uh, so that, that boosted the share price about $3 initially. I think it settled back down to about $237 by the end of the, the post-market trading on Friday. Um, it's actually 11.11 p.m. Eastern Time right now as I'm speaking. So only about five hours, a little less than five hours until the pre-market opens again. Um, I'm going to just throw out a guess and say that it'll be about 2.39 maybe at 4 a.m. Eastern Time. That's totally a guess and most of you will probably be listening to this after that has actually happened. So it's a very, very little relevance. Um, I only got my notes ready through... The Model Y reveal of March 14th. So we're not quite halfway through the month of March with the March Madness series and this was part three of it. Uh, but since I don't have any more notes written down for this, I think we'll start to wrap up the episode. Uh, remember, if you want to contribute to the podcast, go to patreon.com slash Podcast, or if you want to make a one-time contribution, you can go to the Square Cash app. And if you want some shorty merchandise, you can go to the shorty store at evacuationboy.com and get some cool coffee mugs or t-shirts. And hopefully I'll get into a better groove of actually preparing these podcasts so that I can release more and on a more regular schedule and get back to doing interviews because I have certainly enjoyed doing the interviews and I want to do the interviews and I know that people enjoy listening to the interviews. So if you have a strong opinion that you'd rather hear that than hear me ramble about 
the the timeline please let me know and yeah we'll call that episode number 28 of the tesla q podcast thanks for listening bye bye